Well, good morning. You well today? Who loves Pastor Gary's haircut? I do. I think it's wonderful. And uh, only, the, uh, only the very best can pull off such a good look. But uh, that's all right. I wish I had dreadlocks, though. They're awesome. I always wanted dreadlocks when I was growing up. But I uh, was never able to quite pull it off. But uh, that's all right. That's all right. But uh, hey, it's great to see you here today. And uh, so good to be up here today with you, really believing uh, for God's words. Going to minister to you today, but uh, just a little bit about myself. So uh, my name's Jonathan, and uh, um, obviously uh, we're the Infused Church and LifePoint Church. are in a season of, at the moment of coming together. And so, uh, so it's a really exciting uh, time, uh, not only for us, but for here as well. And uh, so good to hear the great things that are happening up here. You know, I love that this is a vibrant, happening church. I love that you guys are on the front foot. In, uh, in what God's doing and in, in, in wanting to take the message of the gospel to all the places that it needs to go. I think that's what the church is. I think that's what we're about. And so, uh, so it's so good to be here. Uh, I'm, uh, my, I guess where I kind of fit within the picture is that uh, I'm kind of like the executive pastor, I guess is maybe the word you sort of would use for it. And so I know a couple of weeks ago I had Pastor Phil. Who enjoyed Pastor Phil? You enjoy him. So uh, Pastor Phil uh, really heads up our pastoral care. At, uh, at Mobbury North, and, and that's really kind of his role uh, in that space. Uh, myself, I kind of, uh, uh, pretty much everything that goes on life of the church kind of comes, comes across my desk in one form or another, and, uh, and really work with the teams and just the church, and, and really taking uh, the vision of Pastor David and Donna, and just moving it forward into, into the season that God is bringing us to. So that's sort of about me. Uh, married, got two kids. A, uh, I've got a 15-year-old and a 12-year-old, so 15-year-old boy, Owen, and Harper, my little girl. Uh, although she's 12 now, she's getting bigger, and uh, not quite my little girl, but still my little girl. You know what I mean? Like, don't have any, any dads here with daughters. You know what I mean? Like, they're always your little girl, right? Isn't that right? And so, uh, so she's still that to me. But uh, my son is uh, very much hitting those teenage years, and, uh, you know, he likes to flex a little bit of that every now and then. But, uh, but, but I do my best to keep him uh, in line on that. And uh, no, he's, he's, he's a good kid, but... Uh, but it's just, uh, it's just really nice to be here with you today. So hope you got your Bibles with you. And uh, we're going to open up the Word of God. We're going to jump to the book of Corinthians. Everyone say Corinthians. No reason why. I just wanted you to say the Word with me. Uh, we're going to go to the book of Corinthians. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And uh, we're going to start in verse 1. Give me a hoy when you've got it. Very good. Hoy, 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 hoy. It's on the screen behind me as well. Uh, if, if you need it. I'm going to be reading this morning from the New King James. And uh, I normally read from the ESV, but, uh, but I'm, I'm going with the New King James today. So here we go. So uh, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 1 says, And I, brethren, this is uh, Paul speaking, uh, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or the wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not uh, with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration, someone say demonstration, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not uh, be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. Thank you for these people. Lord, I just pray today, Lord, let us leave this place changed and transformed by all that you want to do in this service. Your name we said, amen. You know, I believe today that we need a demonstration of the spirit and of power. That in our churches today, we need a demonstration of his spirit and of power. That, that, that our world today, you know, it's, our world thinks it's so smart. Our world thinks it's got everything worked out. Our society will tell you everything that you're doing wrong, how to fix it, how to go about it. They will dictate to you everything that you need to know. You know, I believe today that, that the church isn't so much the, uh, that, that it's not going to be our persuasive words that are going to bring about transformation in our communities, but it's a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That I believe today that we as Christians, as the followers of Jesus, that it's part of our call. It's part of our life. It's part of the fruit that we should see and experience in and around our world is a demonstration of the Spirit and of its power. Do you believe that today? You know, uh, growing up, I've got two older brothers. And uh, one of my older brothers, he kind of went through one of those phases where he kind of finished school and 
didn't really know what he wanted to do. And so he kind of did a whole bunch of different things, you know. So, and one of the things that he did for just a short season was he was one of those um, like door-to-door knife salesman people. Do you, do you remember, remember those guys? Remember these that go around? And they, so, so my brother uh, started doing that. And so he would go, uh, he would go to your uh, house and he would do a demonstration. And he would demonstrate to you what the knives are capable of doing. All very fancy stuff, you know. So, and, uh, and, so, uh, and so I remember like being a good brother. You know, like my brother and my brother was just starting out in this. I thought, well, I should really like be like a bit of a test dummy for him. You know, like just be a, you know, so he can practice the, uh, practice the sale, practice the, the routine and the, and the demonstration. And so, so I remember uh, sitting there and, and uh, my brother came in and, you know, we kind of planned it all like it was like, you know, we even went to the lengths of like, I met him at the door and like shook his hand and like fully pretended that I didn't know who he was, you know. So, which you got, I got to tell you, I did very well as a brother because who knows, that's a great chance to mock your brother right there, right? <laughs> who knows, I could have done anything in that moment, right? I totally could have teased him and been a really difficult customer, but I was, I was being a good brother, you know, so I was doing the right thing. And so, you know, he came into the, uh, to the kitchen and I sat down and, uh, and he got out the knives and it was like one of those... Uh, you know, like a, it's like a, a leather sort of wound up thing. And he kind of undid it and he kind of like rolls out like all the knives. You know, he kind of rolls them all out there. And, it's like, and I'm like, oh, wow, great knife set. You know, like and he's kind of rolling them all out and he's, and he's showing me the knives and he, and he pulls out each one. And, you know, each knife has a name, you know, like it's, it's like his like the pairing knife. And I'm like, oh, pairing. How wonderful, you know, like, and he's showing me the eyes, you know, this is a cleaver. I'm like, ooh, wow, a cleaver, fantastic, you know, like, and, he, and he's just displaying to me all the knives and telling me all about the steel that they're made out of. And it's all, you know, high tensile, you know, uh, sharpened in Japan or something. The samurais used to use this sort, this exact metal is what the samurais used to use. And, you know, like he's explaining the whole thing to me. And, and then as part of the demonstration, he would take out uh, one of the knives and, uh, and, and he would have an apple with him and he would toss the apple up in the air and then the apple would come down on the knife. Except the problem was is that my brother had the knife upside down. So rather than hitting the sharp end, it hit the, it hit the blunt end, right? And basically just went doof and just kind of rolled off. Uh, to which I ex- was very excited to say, oh, wow, amazing knife, you know, like in... Uh, it just reminded him how poor his uh, demonstration was, you know. So, but you know, and I know, like, as I'm telling you that, like, even now as I'm thinking about it, like, it's a really bad example for what I'm trying to explain here, right? Because because uh, I'm trying to talk about a demonstration, and this is a failed demonstration, you know. So, but so just just use your imagination for me, would you? Just imagine that if my brother had thrown that apple up and it had hit the knife the right way up, and the knife had split in half, you would be like, "Oh my gosh, that's amazing." You know, like, and you can imagine, like, after seeing that, you'd go back to your house, and when you open up your knife drawer that you've got at home, anyone got a knife drawer? You know that drawer with all the, and you open up your drawer, and you look in there, you can you see all your dull, bent up, you know, like, kind of a bit, you know, tarnished, manky looking knives. You're going to be like, I wish I had some of those knives. I wish I had those ones that were demonstrated to me. You know, I believe that that's how our Christian life should be. That when people see the demonstration of the Spirit, and of power in us, then when people go back to, to, to their lives, to their things, to their, to their manky drawers that they open up and they look in, that they would recognize and go, you know what, what I have is, uh, is what I've been living with, but you know what, I could have so much better. Maybe there's something else that I could have. Maybe there's something that Gary has. Maybe there's something that you have in your life that would be attractive to someone else, where they would say, you know what, I need some of that in my life. And I believe that that's how we're supposed to live our Christian walk. I believe that that is, that is one of the things uh, for us as believers, that as we live out our Christian walk, as we live out of that place from the Spirit, that we would be a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Can I get an amen? Do you believe that today? That you and I are called to be demonstrators of Jesus. You know, if we're, you know, I, th- I think one of the things is that we, we sometimes think that it's complicated, right? We sometimes think that, that being a Christian or, or, or being, you know, because we, we all know those people. Who, who knows those, those spiritual people who like, the miracles always seem to happen for them, right? Or the, the breakthroughs or they've got the stories of, of you know, the, the, the healings or the, you know, like where God spoke to them, a shining light and these sorts of things, you know. I think sometimes we can, 
we can put those demonstrations of the Spirit and of power, we put them in a category over here that's kind of like, well, that kind of works for other people, but it just never seems to happen to me. You know, I want you to know today that, that the demonstration is for you today, that it's for all believers. And it's actually not as complicated as what it sounds. In fact, I'll put it to you today that there's possibly things that you're doing right now in your life where you're actually experiencing a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, and you don't even realize that it's happening. You know, I, I, when I think about a demonstration of the Spirit, to me what that speaks of is that of the fruit of the Spirit. So when I think about, well, what, is, what does it mean? The, so Paul says a demonstration of the, of the Spirit. Well, what does that mean? Well, I believe that to be the fruits of the Spirit, that we see the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. And so what are the fruits of the Spirit? They're love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, goodness. Is goodness one? Yep. Gentleness, thank you back there. Self-control, yes, we had that one. Oh, someone's got actions. Spot the Sunday school teacher. All right, over here. Right, got actions to go with it. So, oh, another one from the back. Faithfulness. Think we said that? Anything else? I feel like one of my great fruits is handsomeness. I think that's been one given to me. So, not all of you agree. That's okay. That's okay. It's okay. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. So, all right, the fruits of the Spirit, right? So, what does that mean? So, well, what am I saying? I'm saying that in your life, when you exhibit joy in your life, that's the fruit of the Spirit. That's a demonstration of the Spirit. When, when everything in the world is going haywire, but yet there's a smile on your face, that is a demonstration of the Spirit. What, what, what else is demonstrates the Spirit? You know, it's that peace. Right? When you're going through a storm and you know, people in and around your life, they know you're going through a storm. They know that you're going through a hard time. They know the things that are happening in your world. And when you demonstrate the peace that comes from God, when you demonstrate that in your life, let me tell you, that's exactly what Paul's talking about. It's a demonstration of the Spirit, that you're displaying to the world who the Spirit of God is, what the Spirit of God can do. Does that make sense? See, so it's not as quite as hard as it sounds. Right? It's not, quite as, it's not quite as out there and elaborate as maybe what we think it is. But, you know, it's available for you and I today as believers that we can, be, uh, we can do a demonstration of the Spirit. Well, what's another? So he says, demonstration of the Spirit, and he says, a demonstration of power. Well, what, is, what does that mean? What is, what is power, right? Uh, power, where is it? P- power, is, uh, power is healing, tongues, prophecy, words of knowledge, deliverance, blessing. You know, so well, we experience some of that today. Some of the words that were spoken here today were words of prophetic uh, to you and I. You know, so some of the things that we experienced and felt today is the power moving, the power of God moving in this place. So again, it's not as kind of far out there as kind of what you think it might be. But it's, it's here today. It's here in your life. It's, it's happening right now in this room. And we are to carry this into our world. You know, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a miracle. Luke, did you know that? You know, my parents were told they couldn't have kids. So I, and uh, I've got uh, two older brothers and younger sister. So, and I'm the third one in line. So the way I see it, see, I think my oldest brother, Ben, he's like the full miracle, right? Because he was like the first one, you know? So I reckon Wes, the knife salesman, I reckon he was like half a miracle. Because once you kind of have one miracle, when you're told you can't have kids and then you have a kid, it's like... And then you have another kid. It's kind of like, well, it's kind of a bit of a less miracle. Does that make sense? So the way I look at myself, I'm like a third miracle, right? I'm like a third of a miracle. And my sister, I don't know what she is, you know, so she's, she's just the sister, right? You know, uh, I, lived, uh, I lived in Brisbane for six years and uh, was part of a church up there. And uh, it was great, great time. Let me tell you, in winter, I wish I was in Brisbane right now, you know, so weather this time of year out there is, it's, it's fantastic. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, I, I would, um, you know, I would, I'm a sort of routine sort of person, so I kind of had my routines, and, uh, and uh, I would call my dad uh, every Thursday, and I'd ring him, and we'd chat, and, and then, you know, I had different people I kind of would connect with, and one of my friends back here who I would connect with was a guy by the name of Ben Ferguson, uh, who's a teacher at Sunrise, yeah. And so, uh, so teacher at Sunrise Fullerton. And, uh, and so I'd, I'd known Ben for years. We'd been friends for a long time. 
and, uh, and, and, um, um, and and we would just connect. And, you know, we just always had, we just mates had fun together. So I'd ring him all the time when we lived up there. And, and one of the great things about moving back, when we moved back to Adelaide, was that I was able to reconnect with old friends and things like that. And Ben was one of those people who we were just able to reconnect with again. And, and, and just, it was fantastic. I, I really enjoyed that, you know. So um, not long after uh, moving back, this is about four years ago, uh, uh, ben received a diagnosis, and uh, and you remember he received a diagnosis of bowel cancer, and uh, he was sick uh, for for a long time, and they're having all these tests and all that, and then uh, then the diagnosis came through that he had bowel cancer, and it was like it was rampant, you know, and uh, and and I uh, and we lived kind of close to the city at that stage, and and uh, whilst Ben was in hospital, there was not a night that went by, I where he would been in hospital for maybe six weeks. I'm pretty sure I was there pretty much every night. I'd go in and see him, and I'd sit with him, and we'd just chat, and just to, you know, help sort of break it up. And and he, you know, he's got a great family too when they were there, and and uh, and and we would just uh, we would just pray, and we were just holding on to God, you know. And uh, and and I I was there the day when uh, when the I'd, I'd come in, and uh, in the afternoon, and uh, the doctors were were literally there when I got there. And they were, and Ben had just had surgery a few days before, and they were giving him the news, and it was that news that that those words where you never want to hear the doctor say, and that was, "There's nothing more we can do." They looked at Ben and they said, "There's nothing more we can do. You just go home, make your peace, see how you go. We'll give you a bit of treatment, and we'll just take it. But there's nothing else we can do. We're, we've kind of come to the, to the end of our what what we can do as as medical. But who knows?" Where man ends is where God begins. And, you know, I remember, uh, you know, this morning, uh, so great that we had communion together. You know, I believe in the power of communion. I believe in Jesus' body broken for us and that divine exchange. We t- he, we take, he takes our brokenness and we take upon his perfection, right? And, and we, would, we took communion together and we prayed and believed and many people were praying and believing for healing for Ben. You know, can I tell you, in that moment, in that time, you know, what I needed, what he needed, what his family needed in that moment wasn't just uh, fluff and bubble. It was a demonstration of the power of God. He needed a demonstration. He needed, there was nothing else anyone could do. But, you know, from that moment, we, he just began to get better and better and better. And I remember going in and just seeing him and I could just see, like, just, he, just the change that was on him, just as he began to get healthier and healthier. And, and he would go through his treatment, and that had a little bit of a struggle with it. But to be honest, like, he just got better and better and better and better. And a total miracle took place. You know, like, uh, and, and you know, Ben, you know, like, a total miracle has taken place where God came through, and a, and a healing was done in his life. You know, can we give God some glory today? You see, our world needs a demonstration of the power of God. You see, you can't deny that. You can't argue that away. You can't logic that, right? I, I've got, I can't tell you why that, that happened that the way that it did. But what I do know is that God's Word is truth. And God's Word is, is active and, and alive today. And that, and that you and I are called to be the demonstrators of His life. We're called to be the demonstrators of the Spirit and of power. You see, you and I, it's, it's what a God has for us. You know, Mark 16, verse 17, it says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. These signs will accompany those who believe. Who's, who are those? Right? That's you and I. That's the church. That's believers, right? These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. Uh, they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. These are the signs that follow those that believe. This is available. You know, this isn't, you know, when I talk about these things, it's not limited to the platform or to the preacher or the pastor or to, to the person who, you know, kind of lives on the mountain and, and is always kind of more spiritual than everyone else, right? These things, these signs that follow those who, what? Who believe. Who are the believers today? Do I have any believers today? Give me a wave if you're a believer, right? Well, these signs will follow your life true. These signs are available for you and me. We would be a demonstration of what? Demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That that is available for you and me. 
You know, I want to give you uh, just four quick kind of a bit more sort of like how-to, right? How, how do we, because, you know, the good thing is that the Scripture interprets itself, right? It tells us what, what we can do. If we want to live in that space of, of, of seeing uh, the, the Spirit of God alive and active and working, a demonstration of it, of power, then, uh, then, then I want to give you just a few how-tos uh, in how we go about that, right? The first one I want to tell you is determined, right? The verse that we read uh, says, For I determined, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified, for I determined. You know, we've got to determine, right? You've got to begin with a determination in your spirit. Now, I know I'm going to use a little bit of preacher's license. Maybe the Bible you've got says, uh, for I decided, all right? But I like, I like this word determined, right? I want to explain why I like this word determined. Because can I tell you, like, in my life, I've made many poor decisions in my life, right? I, I've, I've, I've made bad decisions, okay? But for the most part of my life, I like to think I've lived with good determinations. You know, so, so I've made some bad decisions, but my determinations uh, have been good. You know, so, so I, I'm, I'm determined to, uh, to, to live my life glorifying God. That's a good determination, right? Do I always decide? Are my decisions always in line with my determination? No, sometimes they're a little bit skew with, right? I'm not perfect, okay? I'm working on it, all right? Give me a chance. All right? But, but the determination in my heart, I believe, is the place that we need to come to, right? That we are determined, right? That we're determined. You know, uh, I remember um, year eight swimming carnival. Who remembers their year eight swimming carnival, right? I remember my year eight swimming carnival. And because uh, you see, at that swimming carnival, I made a good determination, right? Because they had the open boys uh, swimming uh, event where it was just a 50-meter pool. And it was like, who can get from one end to the quickest, Right? And so I made a determination because it's year eight, you know, like, so when you, I don't know, I mean, it's different now, but in year eight, you're kind of like new to high school. So, you know, like the boys, they're kind of like establishing the pecking order, you know, like kind of who's who in the zoo, right? So I thought it's about time I establish my authority in the schoolyard to make sure people know that, you know, I'm the big man on campus. And so I determined that, uh, that on that day, I was going to uh, enter the, the race and I was going to win, all right? So... I was determined because I know you look at me and you're like, yeah, right, win. Let me tell you, right, I'm like a hippo, right? On land, I'm slow as, but in the water, I'm quick, man, all right? So don't, don't let this fool you, all right? I'm smooth. I'm, I, I get through, right? The friction's a lot lower in water, so much better, right? People like me, I'm good in water, okay? Don't, if we ever go swimming together, right, just, there and I'm gone, just like that, all right? So I determined to, uh, to win the race, right? So, but I made a bad decision. And my bad decision was because, and let me, let me ask you this, right? If you were in the swimming race and the goal was to get from one end to, to the other end and you can use any swimming stroke that you want to achieve this goal, right? Let, tell me what stroke would you swim? Freestyle, of course you would, right? Because that's a good decision, not old JB here. Nah, not me. I decide the best swimming stroke for me to use would be backstroke. And uh, I don't know why I decided that, but I decided that back, backstroke is my best stroke, and I'm going to use backstroke to win the race. God, this is a terrible, terrible decision, right? Good determination, bad decision, right? And so, uh, and so I remember being up on the starting block, and, uh, you know, it's whole year eight, uh, class, you know, everyone's there. You know, I went to a public school too, you know, so kids were mean there, right? And so it's, it's intense, you know. It's like the prison yard, but school, school style. And, uh, and I'm on the blocks, and so we take off and, and we dive in, and uh, everyone sort of dives in, and uh, everyone comes up swimming, freestyle, because that's what you would do, not me. I come in, I come up, and I'm going like this, and I'm swimming backstroke. And let me tell you, I'm going for it, right? If, if I, have, I have lots of faults, but if one thing I am, I'm enthusiastic, right? When I'm in, I'm all in. I always won the Enthusiasm Award, you know? So, and so I'll, I'm coming up, and I'm enthusiastic. So I'm going for it. I'm swimming, and I'm pulling, and I'm just going as hard as I can because I'm determined to win the race, you know? But then I heard some news that when I heard it whilst I was in the pool, I, I, knew, I knew that things went right. And I heard the person over, because, you know, at school carnivals, they've always got the person on the microphone, you know, like, and I heard the teacher on the microphone say, 
uh, go Jonathan, cheer for Jonathan. And I'm like, and I knew right then that I wasn't doing well. Because, because you know in school, right, they never cheer for the winner, okay? So they're always, so they're trying to encourage me. So I'm like, okay, so I must be, so I like, so me, what do I do? Well, I'm determined, Pastor Gary. So I'm digging deeper, right? So I'm, I'm swimming and I'm pulling harder and harder, right? But what I didn't realize was, was that uh, I'm right-handed, right? So my right arm is naturally stronger than my left arm. And so if I'm pulling more with my right than I am with my left, I'm slowly not traveling in a straight line because I didn't have lane things. I'm actually going around in circles. That's right. I was doing circles in the pool whilst everyone else was swimming straight. And uh, in fact, uh, I didn't stop swimming until someone literally dove into the water and grabbed me uh, in order for me to stop swimming. (laughs) So I, I was doing, just so we're clear, picture in your head, I'm doing circles in the pool. Meanwhile, everyone else has finished out of the pool. They're standing up receiving their medals. Not old JB, he's still going around in circles. And I didn't, I didn't, but I didn't give up. I didn't give up, Dean, because I'm determined. Right? I didn't give up until someone literally dove in the pool and grabbed him. He was like, yeah, the race is over. Right? And uh, needless to say, I was the big man on campus uh, after that. So <laughs> good determination bad decision. You know, and, and I think for us in our Christian walk, you know, we've got to have good determinations. You know, all of us here, I'm sure, there's things in your Christian walk where you look back and it's those shoulda, coulda, wouldas, right? It's those times where, you know, that friend at work was sharing with you and oh, I should have invited him to this or I should have prayed for them or, you know, I should have pulled over or I should have done this or, you know, I saw that lady at the counter with you know she couldn't couldn't pay for her groceries I, I should have paid for it and you know and sometimes we do we miss those things right those decisions sometimes those split decisions that we make you know can I tell you all of us all of us has those right if you've been in that position then please like all of us just learn from it grow from it that's what we do right but I believe that we've got to have core determinations though you've got to have a determination you see you've got to determine in your world Either this is the word of God or it isn't. You've got to determine that either Jesus died and set you free or he didn't. You've got to determine that that healing is available for you and I today or it isn't. Does that make sense? All right, we've got to make these determinations. You've got to, you've got to fix yourself and say, no, this is what I believe. This is what the word of God says. This is the trajectory where I'm going. This is what Christ is calling me to. This is what Jesus has done. You've got to determine those things. You've got to have a determination. See, I believe that if we're to live in the demonstration of the spirit of power, it begins with the right determination. You know, in your Christian walk, you've got to have those determinations. You know, we've got to determine that if God is for me, then church, who can be against me? You've got to settle those things in your heart. You've got to know that you know that you know. Make a determination. Second thing that it says in verse 2, it says, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. See, Paul's telling us here, he says not to know anything. He, see, I believe that for us to live in that space of the demonstration, we've got to become humble. We've got to be a people who are humble. Paul says not to know anything. Paul's determination was to know nothing. You know, it's hard to unlearn things. It's, it's hard to lay aside former knowledge. You know, we know uh, of Paul and his life that Paul was a very well-learned person. Paul was, was like top of the class, smart. He was a zealot. He was passionate about the things of God. He, he knew the Word of God. You know, like he, he was someone who was, you know, at the top end of the, uh, of the, of the educational elite, right? A bit like Dean O'Keefe. But here he says that he determines not to know anything. He determines to lay aside the things that he knows, the wisdom that he has, the things that he's learned and developed and honed over the years, and he lays it aside and says, I determine to know nothing. What does that mean? It means to become humble. He determines to become humble. You know, being humble isn't limited to uh, uh, just a state of gratitude or, or being 
uh, being someone who, um, who isn't arrogant, you know, like, like sometimes we think that being humble just means that, well, I'm just grateful for everything. And yes, gratefulness is a part of it, but I want to put you to this, and when I talk about humbleness, I want you to frame it this way. Humbleness is a dependence upon the mercy of God. You know, I can do nothing without Him, right? That's, that's pure humbleness right there, you know? So there, there, I, there's nothing in me that, that is capable. That, uh, Jesus says this, He says, who is good but the Father? No one is good. So, so my ability to be good is nothing to do with me. It's, I have no capacity for it whatsoever, even as much as I try, right? My capacity for good is reliant upon the mercy that He showed to us in sending Jesus Christ to die for you and me. All right? So humbleness can be frame humbleness like that. Frame humbleness is not living for your own prestige, power, or position. We talk about humbleness. They're the sorts of things that we, that we need to think about, frame it in that. It's not just the eternal state of gratitude. Yes, that's a part of it. But humbleness is far more deeper than that, right? Not living for my own prestige, power, or position. You know, humbleness is the acceptance of God's word over my own, over what I see or, or, or whatever's happening in, in the world around us. You know, humbleness is saying, you know what? I'm going to trust and lean on this more than my own understanding. That even though what I see might be opposing or opposite, I'm still going to go back to this and rely upon this more than my own feelings or my own understanding. Does that make sense? See, when we live like that, that's, that's humbleness. You know, the Bible says this in James 4 verse 6. It says, God's, God resists the proud, but shows favor to the humble. That's a, that's, a, that's a sobering verse. He resists the proud. You and I, we want God's favor in our world. We want God's favor on our church and in our lives. But the Bible says here that He resists. He resists. So where there's a so where's a, a desire to come, there's a desire of God to come and pour out favor upon your life and blessing. But there's a resistance that comes when we're proud. Can I tell you the antidote to pride is always prayer. It's living in a state of prayer. Right? What's prayer? Prayer is, saying, prayer is saying, God, you know better than me. Prayer is saying, God, your way is better than my way. Prayer is saying, you know what, God, as I face this situation, I'm going to go to you first and let you speak into it before I employ all my other things. Like, now, please, hear my heart. I'm not saying that, ask God what you should have for breakfast every morning. All right? I, think, I think we can work those things out. Right? I'm talking... Uh, a level of maturity here, right, in terms of uh, when, we, when I share about these things, right? So I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying, like, in the things in our life that we face where we need a word from God, do we do everything else first and then come to God? Or do we go to God first? Do we go to Him in prayer? Do we rely upon His word and, uh, and what He says? You see, when we live like that, when we lean not on our own understanding, when we move away from pride and we move towards humbleness, really what we're talking about is we're stepping into, we're talking about stepping into the realm of faith. I live my life in the realm of faith. When I, when I, when I fix my eyes on Him and I allow Him to speak through me and to me and work out through me, then really I'm stepping into the realm of faith. That's how much faith does it take for you to live your life? It's a challenge. You know, we're so blessed here in Australia. We're so blessed here in Mount Barker. You're blessed in Mount Barker? Mount Barker's beautiful. I love that little main street with all the funky cafes and stuff. It's awesome, right? What a, what a blessing to live in such a beautiful city, in such a beautiful place, right? But how much faith does it take to live your life? It's so easy for us, isn't it? Just to go coast on through life, right? But I believe that God's calling us to a place of humbleness, a place of faith. We put our trust in Him and we believe His Word. Now, the great revivalist and healing evangelist Smith Wigglesworth was asked how long he spends in prayer each day. He replied, 15 minutes. People were stunned and shocked by this, but he quickly added, but I never go 15 minutes without prayer. Right? Just a fancy way of saying I pray all the time. Right? right? Prayer is an important part of our Christian walk. Prayer keeps us humble. Prayer keeps us in the place, in the realm of faith, where we can see miracles and experience 
the demonstration of the power of God. So we'll pick up the pace a little bit. Is this good? Are you okay? You're hanging in there? It says, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Second thing, a uh, third thing, sorry, is that we need to know Jesus Christ. We need to know Jesus. You know, if we want to experience and live in that space, in that place of the demonstration of the presence and power of God, then the demonstration begins with being, not doing. See, private presence brings public power. We all want the public demonstration, but it won't just happen. There's a cost. There's always a cost attached. And that cost is time in his presence. It's time spent with Jesus. Now, I know this sounds a little bit counterintuitive because I'm standing up here saying, we need to demonstrate, we need to do. But can I tell you, before you do, you've got to be. We've got to learn to be. We, we, we've got to be with Jesus. We've got to, we've got to be with him. And, and can I tell you, this is something that for me personally, is something that I'm just being challenged with again. Right? Just again and again, my being in the presence of God. We've got to learn to be. I, w- I want to show you something in the book of John, in chapter 6, if you've got your Bibles. I want to read this to you. This, this is awesome. So the book of John, chapter 6. So just a bit of background. So, uh, so Jesus, he's just fed the 5,000. He's going for a bit of a walk on water. You know, just a typical average Jesus day, just doing Jesus stuff, you know. So, so he's done all that. And, uh, and the Bible says that the people are looking for him, right? They're trying to find him. They can't find him anywhere. They've gone back to where he was, where he fed him. And they're like, where's Jesus? Where's the disciples? What's going on? The Bible says they'll get in their boats. They're walking around the lake. They're trying to find out where Jesus is. And they finally come to Jesus. And so we see here this little exchange that happens between Jesus and the people who have been looking for him. And it says this in verse 28. It says, Then they asked him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? So they're saying, What, what, what shall we do? We want to do the works. We see you feed the 5,000. We heard the stories of the healings and the miraculous. And, and those things are awesome. We want to do that too. We want to do these works. We want to get involved. We want to do a demonstration too of of these works that you've been showing us, Jesus. And Jesus answers this and says this to them. He says, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. So what is the work? What, what is the thing that we need to do? What is the, you're sitting here creating a to-do list of the things that I need to do. What is the job? What is the number one thing? It is to believe. Just to believe. Everything begins with being. And believing. Just be. Just believe. What's the work? What's the demonstration? God, I need a healing. God, I need a breakthrough. God, that son, that daughter that's away from God. God, I need you to move. I need this financial provision. Where does it all begin? It begins with believing. You gotta believe. You just gotta believe. Jesus says, What's the work? What what is it that we need to do? You know what the work is? The work is to believe. Just believe in Jesus. You know, he wants us to do the demonstration, but it just it begins with believing. You know, Peter boasted about how much he loved Jesus, but John boasted about how much Jesus loved him. And I think we've got to get that balance right in our life. Right? I'm someone who leans, just personal moment, I'm definitely someone who leans towards the Peter side of things, right? But God, look at all the stuff that I do. God, I'm always doing stuff. I'm a doer. You got a problem? I'm a doer. Let's get in. Let's fix it. Solve it. Get it done. You know, that's, that's how I'm wired, right? You know what? I actually need to boast more about how much Jesus loves me. That's what John did. John just boasted about how much Jesus loved him. That's all he did. Nothing more. Come on, John, sort it out, right? I'm joking, by the way. Some of you are like, whoa, okay. John boasted about how much Jesus loved him. Don't you love that? You know, in our lives, how much do we boast about how much Jesus loves us? How, how much do we live in that reality of the love of Christ for you and me? Do you believe that today? Do you know he loves you today? Before you did anything, before you even thought of him, he loved you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? 
just across this place, just lift your hands right across this place, right where you're sitting. I just believe right now that he's just going to, he's just, he's, a flood of his love just going to hit you right now. Friend, he loves you today. He loves you today. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to be anything. You don't have to try. You don't have to obtain to a level. And then finally God will say, well, welcome to the club. No, he loves you just as you are right now. He loves you right where you're at, in your doubts, in your hardship, in your problems. He loves you, friend. Just allow His Spirit right now, just to minister to you. He loves you today. You've got to learn to be. You know, Jesus is always more interested in you than anything you will ever do for Him. Amen. So number four, so we've got determination, we've got humbleness, what else we got? We've got to know Jesus, we've got to believe, right? Number four is that, and maybe Luke, he's come and join me, brother. Thank you. Number four is we've got to know the crucifixion. It says, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We've got to know Him crucified. You know, as believers, we've got we've to know what the cross obtained for us. You know, Jesus' death on the cross is just the, it's the greatest moment in history, right? It's the greatest moment that this world ever has and ever will, ever will happen, right? Is that death on the cross. You know, and again, we celebrated communion today. We remembered the sacrifice that He came to give us life and life to the full. Isn't that amazing? What a promise that you and I can, can live in and obtain. You know, I love that about the promises of God. I love that about the Word of God. I love that about the crucifixion. You know, the crucifixion set me free from my sin. It set me free from my past. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life because of what Jesus has done. Amen. You know, the crucifixion did so much more than that. I don't you just love that about God? He, he's never a God of just enough, right? He doesn't do just enough to get you over the line and go, okay, done that, great, you're on your own, seen in about 80 years, right? He does so much more for us. The cross obtained so much for you and I to live in, in the here and now, to experience in the here and now. Do you want to hear some of the promises? that the cross has obtained for us. As I said, it deals with sin and its consequence. Romans 6.11 says, Likewise you also, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ our Lord. Isn't that amazing? Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. That He obtained for you and me. Isn't that amazing? Come on, if you believe any of these, just give me an amen. To, to You know what amen means? Amen means let it be done. So when we give, when we lend our amen to the Word of God, we're saying those promises, let it be done in my life, all right? So lend your amen to these things, right? So uh, that's another thing that the cross did for us is God uh, redeems and forgives us. Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness. He conveyed us into the kingdom of His Son. Amen. Uh, of His love, through which we have redemption through His blood and forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1.7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Is anyone here thankful for the grace of God? Are you thankful for His grace that was extended to you and me? Another thing is that it breaks Satan's power. Hebrews 2.14 says, Since therefore children share in flesh and blood, He Himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death He might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. The devil is defeated. He is a liar. He has no place in your life. There is no room for the work of the enemy, for the believer. Amen. Amen. Number four, it says he brings physical healing, right? He obtained healing for us, Isaiah 53 verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. We are healed today. You are healed today because of what Jesus did on the cross. Number five, it ultimately delivers us from physical death. 2 Timothy 1.10 says, And which now has been manifest through the appearing of Saviour Jesus Christ, 
who abolished our death and brought life and immortality to the light through the gospel. You and I, we're saved because of Jesus. It reconciles us to God and to others, Romans 5.10. For if we were enemies, we are reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. More than that, I love that, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Uh, it gives us access. The cross gives us access, uh, Hebrews 10.19. Therefore, brothers, since we have a confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Aren't you grateful for the cross? Are you grateful for the cross today? Come on, can we give, give the cross and give Jesus a clap today for all that it's attained for you and me? You've got to know Him crucified. Know what the cross has obtained for you. Can we just all stand to our feet right now? Now the cross is enough. You know, I believe in the demonstration. I believe in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. I believe in our world today. I don't know if you realize, but things are going a bit nuts out there, right? In our, in our world today, in our churches today, in believers today, that's you and me, that we need to be demonstrators of the Spirit and of power. That you and I are called to be demonstrators. That wherever you go, you carry Jesus. In every arena, in every place that you walk in, that a demonstration of the Spirit of God would be present present. What does that mean? I believe that you and I can impact the atmosphere of everywhere we go. That where there's mayhem and chaos, you and I can bring peace and love. That where there's pain and hardship, you and I can bring joy and healing and wholeness. A demonstration of the power of God. You know, God wants to use you. That's just sobering in itself, isn't it? He wants to use you. It's amazing. He wants to use you to touch someone else's life. To lean across the corridor, wherever it is that you are. Pray for someone going through a hard time. Just close your eyes in this place. Just sense His presence here. one question. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, maybe as I've been sharing, talking about Jesus and who He is and what He's done, maybe you're sitting there today and you within yourself, you're, you're kind of wondering and you're kind of feeling like, well, I don't know if that's me. I don't know if my future is secure. I don't know if my sins are forgiven. I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Or maybe one time you did. Maybe you did a long time ago. But you're sitting here right now just feel like that that part isn't settled you don't have a peace about it can I tell you whether it's for the first time the second time third time it doesn't matter right Jesus loves you today friend so if that's you today you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior either for the first time or whatever it is for you today I just want to pray for you right where you're standing I'm not going to embarrass you I want to pray for you and believe with you you can walk out those doors today knowing that you know, that you know, that you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, that He loves you, that your eternity is secure with Him. Anyone here today? Just, just lift your hand right where you're standing. I'll see your hand. Just acknowledge it to me and I can just pray for you. To anyone today, just lift your hand high just so I don't confuse it with anyone else. I just want to pray for anyone here today. Just give you another 10 seconds. Believe today you can walk out of this place knowing that you know that you know. Completely at peace, completely secure in who Jesus is.
just with eyes closed. I just want to pray for you today. You know, I believe that this church is called to be a place of demonstration. And when I say church, I'm not meaning the Sunday from 10 to 11.30, whatever it is. But it's a demonstration every day as you go out into the world, carrying within you the Spirit of God, carrying within you the power of the presence of God. That our community needs Jesus. Do you believe that today? Do you know that today? You gotta, see, we've got to have right determinations. It starts with believing, you know what? Our world needs us. Right? That's the right determination. Well, guess what the answer is? It's Jesus in you and I. So if that's you today, just right where you're standing, you just want to just commit afresh or you just want that infilling of the Spirit and the presence of God. So as you go out into your week, you, you, you know that you know you're carrying His Spirit, His presence, the demonstration of the power of God. I just want right you are just to lift your hands. Just lift them high right where you are. I'm going to pray for you right where you are. You know, reach out in faith today. That's why I'm asking you to lift your hands. It's a step of faith. It's saying, God, use me. Saying, God, place your hand upon me. Father, I pray right now. Lord, for people with their hands raised, Lord God. God, I ask, Lord God, for your touch, Lord God. God, let them know that they know, Lord God, that they are carriers of your presence. They're carriers of your presence, Lord God. God, that you've called them, Lord God. God, that your hand is on them, Lord God. God, that they would be demonstrators of your spirit and of power. Father, I pray, Lord God, for your touch, Lord God. God, touch this man right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord God. God, for a man, Lord God, who's experienced your power. But God, I say, Lord, do it again, God. Do it again, Lord God. God, fill him afresh again, Lord God. God, fill him afresh right now with the love of Jesus for people, Lord God. Break their hearts afresh, Lord God. God, to be carriers of the presence of God, Lord. Lord, to go into their world, Lord God, and have an impact for your kingdom and for your gospel, Father. God, fill him afresh, Lord God. Fill him afresh, Lord God. Father, we need you. We need your presence. We need your presence, Lord God. God, to be demonstrators of your spirit today. So I want to pray for you. I know I said two things. I've got one more, and then I'm done. Right? You know, if you need healing today, if you need healing in your body, I've got faith today to pray and believe for your healing today, that you would... Uh, you'd be healed, that you walk out of this place changed, whatever it is. If you need healing in your body, if you're sick today, right? If you've received a diagnosis, I don't know, wherever you're at, I just want to ask you to be really brave, come to the front, and I'm going to hand back to Pastor Gary, but I want to pray for you today. If you need healing today in your body, right? I'm going to pray and believe for healing to be yours. So the Bible says healing is the children's bread. Right? It's available for you and I today. So if that's you, come forward, come to the front. I'll pray for you. I'm going to hand back to Pastor Gary. Thanks, church. God bless you.